It's my brother, Pastor Ian Campbell. Um, yeah, so my name's Nate. I'm also one of the pastors here on staff. And I get the joy of um, opening up the word with us today. So very much looking forward to that right now. Um, but did you hear, though, one of the things, when Ian makes these sorts of announcements, um, Yemen, Bosnia, Cambodia. Like, I, I'm probably not going to meet, for sure not in Yemen, my brothers and sisters there. But I've got them, and you've got them. In a place like Yemen? Like, like do you know much about Yemen? And you have brothers and sisters there, and you might not meet them in this life, but you will meet them eventually. And maybe a thousand years from now, maybe a million years from now, street corner in heaven, you're going to run into them. And it's just cool. I mean, we, we, we have found us to be an exceedingly generous church, just week after week, year after year. Wouldn't it be so cool to hail back to something like this opportunity when you're you know, having just met someone in heaven a thousand years from now and say, you know what? I remember you. I didn't know you at the time, but I helped support you from West Shore Free Church in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. And you were out there in Yemen. And then you got something to talk about. Tell me, what was your life like in those days? And you can glorify Christ together. So anyway, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And I hope you are too. So we've been coming through uh, names of Christ in Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. And George, several weeks ago now, led us through the name Wonderful Counselor. Great job with that. And then last week, uh, following the Kids for Him program, last week we had Pastor Trent, and Pastor Trent led us uh, on Mighty God. And so we had Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, and now today it's going to be Everlasting Father. Mighty God, so, you know, power, I was thinking about that, and, uh, and we had pictures of what, right, waterfalls and hurricanes and, and volcanoes and, and the like. Here's a verse that someone from one of our leadership groups here at church shared with me just this past week. It's from Job 26, I believe, and it might be the very last verse of that chapter. And it goes like this, behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways, and how small a whisper do we hear of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? Now, coming from Job, that's a verse. Every verse in the Bible, yes but a verse on power. And we gotta make the shift now in names of Jesus from mighty God to everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. So we're gonna have to talk a lot this morning about the fatherliness of Jesus Christ. Now there are probably to at least two that I can come up with major questions that might cause confusion or might even trouble you when you kind of think through this idea of Jesus as a father. 
But before we get into that, and I want to answer that, I want to talk about those two things, and then we're going to talk about all the ways, or at least five ways, in the text itself in which Jesus is fathering. But before we get into that, I want to just share with you these two verses. I want to do it from memory so that we can hear it um, and, and just kind of savor it, not only intellectually, but I think spiritually, emotionally, really set us up from the word of God, by hearing the word of God as we get into studying and looking deeper at it. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government shall rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. That is word of God. And in God's word, he says, man, men and women, shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus himself quoted that verse about the word of God to Satan in an effort to resist the temptation of Satan when Jesus was in the desert. Jesus himself valued his word, the word of God. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Two things come to mind that might come to yours, at least they come to my mind, about this idea of everlasting Father. The first, you might say to me, you know, Nate, what? Like, is, is the text confused? Talking about Jesus as a Father, I thought that Jesus was the second member of the Trinity. I thought that you had Father. Son and Holy Spirit. And I was talking about Jesus as the Father. I thought, I, I, like, I know Jesus is my brother. I know that I'm joint heirs with Christ and that together with him, we're receiving something from the Father because of the work that he's done. But it's confusing to me. And so it's like the Trinity is getting confused in this verse. And I'm not quite sure what to do with that. So, so that's, that's the first thing. Let me just answer that this way. And then we're going to kind of answer that as we go also this morning. That Jesus, in this text, when it comes to his fatherliness, needs to be seen as a king. Needs to be seen, write that word down. Needs to be seen as a king in the exercise of his rule, fatherly. So that he comes and he has his kingdom and he's presiding over it's expanding 
and that as he rules, as he reigns, he reigns as king in fatherly ways. Now, it doesn't label him a king in the text, but it gives a lot of hints. It says stuff like, on the throne of David. It says stuff like, to establish his kingdom. Only kings establish kingdoms. They're the, you know, they're the ones who are on the throne. There's only room for one on the throne. Jesus, as king, who's exercising his government in fatherly ways. So that's the first idea that might be confusing and just to, I think it'll help for us to see Jesus as king slash father slash fatherly, okay? Second thing though is this. You, you might say to yourself, um, you know, it's been a battle in my life to have to surmount my own remembrance and my own experience of my own earthly dad so that that experience doesn't contaminate and pollute the worship I want to bring to God my Father. And now you're telling me that I gotta do that with Jesus too? And I just wanna say this more, my, my heart, our hearts, go out to you, if, if, if that's where you are. I don't know what kind of experience you had, what kind of home you had, but if that was very hard, if that was even horrific, if that's still giving you nightmares, the next nightmare you wake up from, please remember that Jesus wants to be an everlasting father to you. And he wants to be close to you and draw you close to himself. He wants to care for you. And to use a, an Old Testament biblical name, he wants to remember you in the sense of bringing blessing on his terms, not yours necessarily, but bringing blessing on his terms your way. Okay? So those two things is as possible. There, there could be more, but those are the two that came to my mind and hard as I'm preparing, and hopefully that will help as we now step into five reasons, or not five reasons, but five ways, five ways in which Jesus, I think, brings, exercises his fatherliness, not only within and over his government, but within and over our lives and our hearts, okay? So let's open back up. If you got your Bible, you can open back up to start in Isaiah 7, or I'm sorry, Isaiah 9, uh, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Let me say this and have this just kind of settle in nicely. Um, Jesus has broad shoulders, and he wants to carry. He is able to carry, he's willing to carry, he wants to carry. And he's got all the room in the universe 
and in eternity he would ever need to carry. Now it says here that his shoulders are bearing the government um, that, that, that is coming and, and that will come. And when it comes to that government, theologically speaking, you, you know, we have this thing to look forward to um, and, and that his rule over his government is going to be um, perfectly authoritative. I mean, he even told us in Matthew, right, that all authority in, in heaven and on earth belongs to me, so we know, we know that he has the authority. It's going to be absolute. It's going to be universal. It's going to be kind. But here's the thing about the kindness. Not only is it theological, not to use a really big word that just means end times, not only is it going to be eschatological, it's going to be personal. It's going to be personal for us. Do you remember, by the way, in 1 Peter 5, where it says about Jesus, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Remember that? That's part of the shoulders of Christ. Just load it up. You know, if you're, if you're used to the weight room and, you, you know, from years ago, maybe, you know, like me, you know, I, I played football for a short amount of time. Just load the weights up, you know, one plate after another. There is no end to the 45-pound plates that Christ can handle. <laughs> so he carries. He's got broad shoulders and he wants to carry. Personal. I want us to read something here, and I think it's going to be up on the screen. This is from Matthew 6, just verses 25 and 26, because it's so important to see how it is that Jesus communicates the fatherhood of the Father, and yet they together both present it. And check this out. This is Matthew Chapter 6, verses 25 and 26. Therefore, I tell you, and we can keep it up here, but please catch the heart of Christ here. He's the everlasting Father we're looking at today in the text. Now he's speaking here. I've got it in red letters, so I know. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. Look at the, bird, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He takes care of them. He takes care of the birds of the air. He takes care of me. And I've shared this before. I just feel compelled in my spirit to share it again. In another text in Scripture, it says that a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without God noticing Harry Ironside, who was pastor at Moody Church many decades ago now, um, 
Put that this way. God attends the funeral of every sparrow. If he attends the funeral of every sparrow, don't you believe that he cares about you? All right, back to the text. Back to the Isaiah text. He carries because he cares. So that's the first idea there. That's the first of five from, the, from our two-verse text. Second idea is that he rules with peace. He rules with peace. I'm going to keep reading here. After the names, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Don't you look forward to that? Like, give me that now, today, where I live, because I need that. We just talked about his kingdom and how it is that that will come about and his rulership of it. There, there's, there's a Christmas text. I'm going to try and share it from memory. Christmas text in, in Micah 5, verses 2 to 5a. It goes like this. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah. I want to start over again. Though, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small, among the clans of Judah. Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. That's talking about us. We're the rest, quote, the rest of his brothers, that's us. And then it says this, he will stand and shepherd his people in the strength of the Lord. He's talking about Jesus now. He will stand and shepherd his people in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be their peace. It's not that he gives peace, not in that text. It's that he is peace, and he's present. And because he's present, there is peace, and we're good. In the Hebrew, you go back to that word. It's really one word where the NIV translated it as live securely. In the Hebrew, the actual literal meaning of the word is dwell. Just dwell, live, be there and live your life. I don't know about you, that, that's what I find I need. That's what I find I need these days. If I find that I need that in my family, just the peace, you live. And even right now, I'm standing here right now, I feel like I'm a little bit you know, on pilot, you know, automated. <laughs> Feels a little bit tired. 
want to maybe go home and take a nap. Tough in family right now. You know, tough for so many of you, my friends, you know, truth be told. And I'm not going to announce anyone's trials here this morning. Wouldn't do that. With so many of you, you got it rough. The sorts of stuff that's come your way and that you're having to slog through, grow from, or just stand in to the glory of God. And it's hard, it's not easy. It was last year, it was last year for Christmas, and I can recall that I, I came here for the Christmas Eve Eve service to lend a hand. But then on Christmas Eve, um, Kim was out of town. She had to fly out quick to, um, to, to, to visit with her mom uh, out in Michigan. And, um, and, and so I'm, I'm on my own for Christmas Eve, and I decided to uh, do a ride along with the Harrisburg, city of Harrisburg police. So that's one of the things I get to do. I'm, I'm blessed to be able to do that each week for about eight hours a week. And so Christmas Eve, and we're up on the hill, and, uh, you know, I remember talking with this woman. She's such a dear soul. And she's saying to me, um, you know, she hasn't brought back my grandbabies. And, you know, my son is here. And my, my, my son has to have, he's, he's such a good boy. And he's such a good father. And I'm talking with her and I'm realizing that she's a believer. And she says, would you just pray? And I'm looking and I'm seeing that there's no presence under the tree and it's not because they haven't been able to put the presence out yet because it's not Christmas morning either. And as we get ready to pray, then we hear, you know, shots fired two blocks away. You know, we all go like this. Imagine living in a world like that. That's what it feels like in my soul right now. Need peace personally. That's where I'm at. It says in Matthew 11, Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. Did you catch the fatherliness in that? I'm gentle. This is Jesus. Come to me when you're really tired, spiritually speaking, especially. Come to me. Because I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. The Lord of the universe the Lord who sustains all, humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my load is easy, my burden is light. That's what I need. He rules with peace. I want to be a member in that kingdom. Third thing. He works with righteousness, with righteousness 
He works. It says here, and I'm reading on, read the second one again. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Thank you, Lord. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. So I love that. You know, I, I share a little something. Um, coming next year, where are we going to go after this, you know, and in the new year? We're going to be opening up uh, the books of First and Second Kings, history books in the Old Testament. I mean, what was the last time you, you did that, especially in a Sunday morning series? And, but we're going to get to do that, and I can't wait. It's going to be strong and uh, just very good for us, and, and so we're excited to, to be headed into that. Here's something that you pick up very quickly in those books. When you're looking at the kings, and it almost doesn't matter, northern or southern kingdom in the, in the kings, that the kings are so full of leadership and the people are so happy to be led by them that they're willing to just kind of trot along and, and follow them. I'll climb a hill with that guy any day of the week. Love his leadership, even to the point of child sacrifice, Things are going great around here. Disgusting. And yet the people are all about it. Such that what the Lord comes back and says this phrase again and again and again, king after king after king, that he did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. So he had to send his prophets to confront the people, which he did. He did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord, and the point is this, that when Jesus Christ, as everlasting Father, establishes his kingdom, he does it, and he does it with his righteousness, and he does it with his justice. He doesn't hire out for a consultant. He doesn't get a bunch of people together and get a consensus on what kind of justice do you think I should inaugurate? He says, no, I know perfectly, and I've known perfectly from forever the kind of justice and righteousness that needs to characterize my universe because it characterizes me, and that's what I'm bringing. That's what I'm bringing. And I love that about Jesus as an everlasting king slash father, he brings his kind of righteousness, his justice, as he defines it, as he practices it, powerful. So, his moral terms. Fourth idea, his promise to endure. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. That's a kingdom that's going to last. Can't wait for that. And once it arrives, it's here to stay. So I want to say hallelujah to that. You know, his kingdom, his kingdom endures from then on 
and forevermore. I think that there is a characteristic of unchangeableness in that, right? That if it's here, and it's gonna look this way, it's never gonna change. It's never going away. It's never gonna fade, right? I mean, it's never gonna become somehow corrupted. It's gonna be initiated, engaged, uh, and once Christ has built it, he says he's gonna uphold it. They're not gonna get compromised with Jesus upholding, sustaining what it is that he's made. And so you can count on that to be unchangeable forever, so, so that whatever that is, however good it is, it will always be that way. Now, it does say that it will increase. It's going to spread and get bigger and bigger and bigger. So quantitatively, yeah, huge. Qualitatively, the same in that it's perfect. Love that. Love that. And I need that. I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story about my dad. I, think, I know I've shared this before, and I think it's been a while, but, you know, my brother, my brother's given me permission to share this. He was the one who told me in the first place. He, he was going through a hard time, senior year in high school, and he'd been playing football, and he was playing tight end, so he and his bigger guy, and he had all his muscle. This was uh, right about this time of year, so he just uh, finished the season. And, uh, but he was also bitter in his life. He had some things going on in his life that made him angry. And on a Sunday morning, they're in church. This is, I'm away at college, but they're in church, and... Uh, I guess my mom was sitting next to him and she said something to him that annoyed him and he elbowed my mom. She kind of went like that to her, made her cry. And my dad found out about it after church because my mom was pretty shook up just because my brother was, I think, bitter. I think it was more the emotional state that my brother was in than, than that it was that he really hurt her physically. And this is what my dad did and this is the tone in which he did it. He, according to my brother, <laughs> came up the stairs to my brother's bedroom. He walked into my brother's bedroom. He sat down on the edge of the bed. And he said, Dave. Actually, he didn't say, he said, son. He called him son. He said, son, you need to know that I love you. and that I would lay my life down for you. But that I love your mom more. And if you ever strike my wife, didn't call her your mom, called her my wife. And if you ever strike my wife again, you need to run for your life. And he got up and walked out. <laughs> and my brother, you know, I'm talking about this with my brother afterwards. He says, you know, we talk these days about protecting the ego of the child. <laughs> he said, I'll tell you what, that was exactly what I needed to hear. Because it let me know where dad stood and that dad didn't change. There was this unchangeableness about dad. 
that you could count on. And that's the whole point. It lended stability, solidity to our home. Okay, I got something to stand on now. He was right. He should have put me in my place. And I'm thankful that he loved mom more. Yeah, I get that. He told me he loved me, and I know that he would lay his life down for me. But he's looking out for mom, and he's sending the message, you don't mess with mom. Unchangeableness. There is an unchangeableness in the forevermore-ness of the kingdom of this King, Father, Jesus. Last idea. Jesus, in his everlasting fatherliness, his passion to succeed. That last line of our text where it says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I just have to say, and I I hope you're with me in saying this, good, because I can't get that done for you. There is a point when I think, Good dads, right? But Jesus, as the perfect, everlasting father, says that that, that he would say to us, step aside. I'm not looking to be in this with you. I'm looking to do this. And to do this for me, to do this for my father, and to do this for you. Step aside. It's the zeal, my zeal, my tenacity and my intensity, my commitment that I'm bringing to bear and I will do everything I please. And what I please to do at this point and forever is to establish this kingdom. And you can count on that. You can count on that. So the zeal of the Lord of hosts We'll do this. There's one other text I want to read. It's in Matthew 18. And please, let's read this together in Matthew 18. And it's going to be verses 12 to 14. And it says this. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly, I say to you, who's, who's talking there? This, this Jesus is talking here. If he finds it, truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father in his fatherliness, who is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. Keep that in your head for a split second, and now listen. Let me read this. Jesus Christ, as heavenly or as, as, as everlasting Father, succeeds in establishing his kingdom, and he succeeds in winning every member to populate that kingdom. You, can, you don't have a kingdom if you don't have people in it. So please understand that when it talks about you know, uh, the government and so forth, it's talking about um, us. 
And those who will fill, who require the sort of peace slash government uh, that, that the kingdom provides. It's talking about us. I'll read that again. He succeeds in establishing his kingdom and in winning and rescuing every member of that kingdom. That he wins us, we become members of that kingdom, but then as members of that kingdom, if we decide for whatever reason, you know, if sin takes hold, we choose to wander, and we're off somewhere in ourselves, what I just read there, the fatherliness of Christ says that he will shepherd, he will come our way, he will search for us. Search. In Luke's version, in Luke chapter 15, it says he told them this parable saying, what man among you he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. So I remember years ago now, this is a much different life, and uh, you know, I was a lot younger, and, and I had teams of students, and I was bringing them up into the wilderness of the Adirondack Park in upstate New York, and so we were on the trail a lot, and one time, we, you know, it was pretty bad weather, uh, it had snowed kind of a dangerous amount that day, um, which is only about six to eight inches in the mountains because then if you can't go on snowshoes and if you trip, you end up on rocks and that kind of thing. So you either want a lot of snow or no snow. We'd had a dangerous amount of snow and one of my students, she was in great shape, um, but, but she was running down the mountain with crampons on. Do you know what crampons are? Crampons are like steel blades, cleats that go on the soles of your foot and then they come off the toes as well. And she's running. You don't want to run in crampons. She fell and she got seriously hurt. And so we had to rescue her off the side of the mountain. And I remember when it came to her rescue that, you know, eventually uh, the ranger showed up and, um, and I'm, I'm looking over the side of the cliff I'm seeing way down at Route 33, or uh, Route uh, 73, and, um, you know, the little tiny ambulance lights way down there. You know, they blocked off the whole highway for her. And we get her, and we've got um, kind of uh, an aluminum cage, almost, that's body length, um, and, and we put a plastic board kind of in that thing, and then we throw a sleeping bag down on top of that, then we put her on top, she's going into shock at this point, we, we put her on top of the sleeping bag, then we put another sleeping bag on top of her, and then we strap her in with about four or five straps, and then we put her on belay, you know, so that now she's on ropes, and we just kick her out over the side of the mountain and lower her down. The, the, the point is that she got rescued safely. Where would you rather be, in a contraption like that or on the shoulders of Christ? Rescued safely. Jesus does that for the members of his kingdom because he's fatherly. He's an everlasting father. So let's not... 
Forget that. Let's praise him because of it. Let me go ahead and pray. We want to remember value, experience, and praise you for your fatherliness, dear Jesus. You're the exact representation of the Father, and so you will exemplify his fatherliness in accord with him perfectly. And we praise you for that. We thank you and praise you for your broad shoulders and that you want to carry and that you want to carry us. And we thank you that you rule with peace. Your word says in Psalm 29 that you give strength to your people and that you bless your people with peace. And we welcome that kind of peace, especially this time of year. Father, we thank you for the righteousness that you work to establish your kingdom on your terms as you define right from wrong. You establish it perfectly. And we rejoice in your righteousness and in your justice. We thank you that we have this kingdom to look forward to forever. We thank you for your grace and your kindness to us that at times and certainly on this grand occasion says to us, step aside and let me handle this. I will be the one to deal with this such that in your zeal, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, you accomplish. So we thank you for that in the name of Jesus and we praise you for that. Everlasting Father,